want to talk uh, this afternoon. Uh, we heard earlier about passion, and I want to talk a little bit about confidence and and hope, because uh, without confidence, um, it's hard to do almost anything we do in this life. If we are if we're really underconfident, we've had our confidence stripped from us. Um, it's pretty damaging, and we. Um, and we find it hard to have hope that things will ever be any better, I suppose, if we've really, uh, if we've really had a knock around. And, um, you know, I can think of, uh, maybe my first, uh, not my first job, but one of my, uh, when I was 19, I think it might have been my second job. We were having to load some things into the back of a truck. And, uh, I don't know if I was just preferring other people, but I kind of stood on the ground while some other people were working around me. And very quickly, my boss, just uh, sort of tore a couple of scripts off me and said, what are you doing standing there? Get up in the truck and help. And I, um, I sort of leaped into the back and um, I started helping. And at first it knocked my confidence. So I thought, whoa, who's, who's this guy? He's a boss. He's pretty harsh. Uh, but one thing that happened out of it is from that day on, as soon as I saw anybody helping with anything, I knew the place to be wasn't standing in the background watching. You had to be in the front helping where you're able to. And so... There's things, there's events that we can probably all think of in our life, both naturally and spiritually, um, that affect our confidence levels. And when we're learning something new, it's always, it's always, um, well, it's natural that we'll be a bit underconfident. But I suppose what I really want to look at today is when we've had strong confidence and, and particularly in the Lord, and then maybe we go on, and some things take place that maybe start to undo some of our confidence. And that's, uh, that's where the Lord is always drawing us back to his word and our fellowship and, and our own testimony to be our reminder that um, he doesn't want us at all to lose our confidence because we have no reason because he doesn't change. You know, Maybe our mind changes and maybe we change a bit in ourselves, but God never does. And he wants to remind us of that constantly, that you know, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today and forever, that his promises are, we can't move them, we can't alter them. So just to begin in First Thessalonians chapter 5, and of course whenever we open the word of God, because it's, because it's living, we can open it and we can read it as if it's fresh off the press and it was written and prepared for us to be opened for the first time today. The Lord has a, has a way of doing that for us. Um, so just First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Now, Paul was writing that to the, to the church at you know, Thessalonica at that time, but it applies now. We, we wouldn't need someone to hopefully make us aware of the time and season that we live in in our world now. We, we are aware of the state of our world. And so um, we know the time we're living in. And then he goes on and says for you, in verse 2, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that, that day should not overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light and the children of the day, we are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep in the night and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. 
But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. And we could look at uh, you know the, the scriptures that talk about the whole armour of God, but the, the two pieces that are pulled here are the breastplate of faith, our vital organs, when we want to protect, or in a, you know, in a time of war, when vital organs, the parts that have the biggest impact on keeping us alive, need to be protected, there's this, this breastplate, and it's telling us that it's faith and love, our faith in the Lord and our, our love. Not, not so much, I mean, natural love comes through a godly love, but it's really talking about our godly love, our love of what God has done for us and our desire and passion like we heard about today to share that with others. That becomes an armour to us, to the vital part of us. And then it goes on and says about, and the helmet, um, the hope of salvation. And you think, when do you go for a helmet? You go for a helmet if you're expecting to take some kind of impact to the head. You know, If someone's throwing projectiles at you, you want to put a helmet on. If you think you're going to fall and hit your head in any way, then normally... Well, these days it's usually regulation that you have to wear a helmet to protect your mind from injury. And it's telling us that the hope of salvation is actually the helmet, that while ever we've got confidence, while ever we've got a hope of the salvation we've received of God, of his plan and what's coming, that actually becomes a helmet to our mind, a protection. And, you know, we live, again, just... Um, in a, in a life and in a world that, and, and the scriptures tell us that the, the battle that takes place, it's a lot of it's in our mind because our natural mind is enmity against God. It's the thing that will rob us of our confidence when we let our perception of experiences that have either happened to us or that have either happened to others, and we start to let it um, maybe erode. Uh, what we believe God is capable of doing for us and for other people. And God's trying to bring to our remembrance all the time that our, our hope that we're going to be king, well, we're his kings and priests, that we're going to rule and reign with him, you know, that we are going to be in this perfect government that he will set up upon this earth when he returns and into the age of ages and all of these things that we maybe we don't fully understand yet, of course we don't, but we know that this grand plan of God it's, it's our hope. And, and whatever we need during this life to get us to that point, God has already provided it. He's already provided it. We don't, we don't see that sometimes when, we, when we're in the middle and the thick of a situation and we think this isn't turning out how I planned. This isn't going how I thought it would. But God has already provided through his son Jesus Christ. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. You know, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth thee. Everything that we will face. And it goes on in verse 9 and it says, God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as you do. And that is what we do. We comfort one another. When we come together and whenever we have fellowship with brothers and sisters, we comfort each other and encourage one another to not believe with our eyes, not to believe with our ears, not to believe with what we touch, but to believe by faith, by what God has promised. Because uh, once again, you know, when we're in a situation, and uh, sometimes situations can last for years, sometimes they do, and 
we can start to believe for ourselves that our situation is never going to be any different. But when we see a brother or sister in the same position and we say, well, what's going to happen with them? It's not hard to have the faith and belief that God is going to help them in their situation because it's them. But we've got to have the same belief for us. And that's why God brings us together in a body so that we can... You know, we can encourage each other in the promises of God that they are never going to fail. It's impossible for God to lie. His promises will never fail. And, you know, the only failure on God's behalf would be if it was ever possible for him to not supply what we have need of. And that's an impossibility for God. And could any of us bring that accusation before God that God through my whole life there came a time where you left me or you you forsook me altogether? We know that would be that's against the principles of God, that he would it's just not possible. Hebrews chapter six, we want to turn there. Verse ten. We read For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labour of love. There isn't anything that we've ever done, you know, that uh that we've done for the Lord, no matter what it is, no how big or how small or what we feel like we may have given up for the Lord. That he that he misses or he forgets or he doesn't see he he sees you know what's going on within us he sees us overcoming you know he doesn't he's he's not unrighteous he doesn't have a problem with his memory <laughs> he says which you have showed towards his name in that you minister to the saints and do minister and he goes on in verse eleven and it says and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. We have a need to keep going until the end. That uh, the way that we started out in that same, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I really enjoyed listening to Matt's testimony. Um, just the candidness that we're able to to talk about, you know, how it is we come to know the Lord. You know, whether we were brought up um, by our parents as part of this fellowship, or whether somebody preached the gospel to us in the highways and byways, and we've come to be here. That. You know, we don't have to dress it up in any way. We can just simply say how it was for us and and how how the Word of God became alive for us and how God fulfilled his promises in our life like he has for every one of us. And it becomes a um, just a really powerful thing. And to reflect back on just that simple joy of, you know, it really is good to think about how exciting it was when we first got the got the picture for, for you know lack of better words of what of when we just wow God is real and He's working in my life because we need to hold on to that. If we lose that simplicity of the of the basic promises of God that He's alive, that He's real, that He's got a plan for us, that He's going to save our soul, and we let all the the tribulations we'll have to overcome in this life, if they take the focus we will find it very, very hard to endure to the end. But if we go back to that simplicity that God doesn't change, sometimes we do, but God doesn't, we'll always be able to find a way to keep moving. And he goes on in verse 12 and says, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself saying, surely blessing I will bless thee and multiplying I will multiply thee. And we know those promises, the great multitude of nations to come from Abraham and kings that would come from him and so forth. And it says, 
And so after he had patiently he endured, he obtained the promise. He didn't have to endure his time frame. He had to endure God's time frame. And that's the same for all of us, that uh, we like we, we work very much with time. And for God, time is something different because there's no end to it for him. And he has a plan and he has an answer and a victory in every situation. But we've got to endure with patience his time frame, not ours. And um, the pattern's the same for us. If we endure, we receive the promises of God. And I know everyone can say amen to that, that we can look back in our life and see multiple, multiple circumstances of God's provision through all kinds of circumstances. And it goes on in verse 16, and it says, For men verily swear by the greater or the greatest person they can think of, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. So if someone of importance or of power makes an oath, well, they think, well, there you go, it's settled. But it goes on in verse 17, it says, Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth that within the veil. It's talking uh, you know, about this hope that, you know, if you, if you have a really private conversation to hold with somebody, then maybe, or it involves a number of people, maybe the people you trust closest you might invite into the inner room to discuss it with them, and maybe those you're not so sure of, you might hold them out and maybe on the outside of the room. Well, God is saying this hope, it's its not just sort of an outward, an outward on the peripheral hope. This is one where I've let you into the inner veil. I've let you in to where I dwell and I've come and, and put my spirit inside of you and I dwell with you. I've let you into the inner veil to be right there with me for this hope that you have as an anchor of your soul. You are there with me not just for this life, but for the one I'm preparing for all eternity. That's the kind of closeness and promise that God has given to us. And it goes on and says, uh, just in verse 20, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In other words, he wasn't from uh, the tribe of Levi, the priestly tribe. He doesn't have a lineage that you can trace because it was straight from the Lord. I guess one of the other things too is that you know when we lose our confidence, one of the, maybe the things that we all do, um, I know that I've done it, is that we revert maybe into our own nature, into our own little comfort space. You know that um, maybe for a time, because maybe it feels like we can fly under the radar when we do that. That uh, if we go back to you know maybe it's something from our old life that we used to find a comfort. Maybe it's Whatever it is, we kind of know that, you know, we, if we're feeling like we've lost our confidence, that can be in our human nature to do that. But if we stay there, if we use that as our mechanism to cope, it ends up eroding our confidence worse as we rely on our own means instead of relying on God. And in this day and age, you know, we've never lived in a time where we can set and position around us um, all the, only the things we want to see and only the things we want to hear. We can do that through technology. You know, we can set up around us so that is all that we'll be 
you know, we might have to go to work or go to school or uni or something and we might have to endure a few things there that we don't particularly want to, but in our own space, if we want to, we can place around us just the things we want to see and hear. But again, that doing that, which again, there's a strong draw for that to happen through technology and through through the media and all those things, but through doing that, it, um, it encourages us to go more that way and it erodes our confidence further. And every time we come to a meeting like this, you know, um, I know that, that I do, that we come here with hope, don't we? We come here with expectation that God's got something for us, and he does. Every time he says where two or three are gathered in his name, he's in the middle. So God's got something for us. And we come here for encouragement. We come here for an answer maybe to something that's going on in our life. Um, you know, that we think there's going to, we know there's going to be a gem, there's going to be some wisdom, there's going to be a testimony, there's going to be something come out in the gifts, there's going to be some experience, something shared that will inspire us or that will give us a determination to press on. That's what we come here hoping for. And, and we get that, praise the Lord. All the people said, Amen, we do. But where our comfort and our confidence really is, and the answer is, is, and where the depth of the blessing of God is, is when we can, is when we can come to a meeting like this and we can figure out how I can come. And not only can I be encouraged myself, but I can find a way that I can encourage others, that I can give something of what God has given, given me and given us. Because we don't lack for anything. You know, we don't lack spiritually for anything. We were made complete in Him when we were born again of water of the Spirit. And we have a capacity to give. And, you know, we have people in our meetings who, you know, through, through circumstance of life, through all kinds of situations, they might not even have full use of their natural bodies anymore. But, you know, you walk past and there's a conversation happening that is testimony or is talking about blessing or is talking about encouragement and something that, you know, no matter what situation we're in and no matter what kind of restriction we have on us through maybe no circumstance or fault of our, of our own, we're able to, to give. We are all able to give, even if it's words or a greeting or a testimony. And when we put our hand to service that way, when we, when we realize that God has called us, for not ju- not just to be here to take of those things, but because he, we're here because he's given us this capacity to give, then that's when the confidence becomes built again because we realize God's actually using me. God God has a purpose for me. I'm, I'm, I'm not here to make up the numbers. God has given me a uh, an ability to to serve my brothers and sisters. And the thing about putting our hand up for service that we all know there's that, there's that old saying is if you never want to be criticised, do nothing. Don't do a thing and you will never be criticised. Or you will, you'll be criticised for doing nothing. But, <laughs> but, but if you put your hand to anything, someone will have an opinion, I suppose. And, and we can never let that put us off either. We can never let that put us off. You know, but because criticism comes, there's a, there's a fantastic passage uh, I want to turn to, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. That sort of, um, if you've got it as an excuse, um, you know, and maybe all of us at some point could say, well, I choose not to be involved in that particular thing anymore because once I did it, 
and someone had something to say about it, someone had something to say about it and it upset me and so now I choose not to sort of uh, be involved that way. But when I read this passage, I read it and I thought I can never ever use that for myself again. I've been totally silenced. So Ecclesiastes 7, verse 21. It says, Also take no heed unto all words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. So say something about you, have a bit of a go at you for whatever reason, and here's the answer, and tell me if you can say different. No, no, don't actually, but it says in verse 22, For oft times also thine own heart knoweth that thou likewise hast cursed others. Is there any of us that could put our hand up and go, you know what, I've never said something bad about someone else. I've never sort of put down what they're doing or never made a criticism. Could any of us do that? I don't think we could. So if at times we put our hand to the plough and there's some criticism that comes from it, well, hopefully, praise the Lord, people learn to encourage rather than criticise, but it will come at some point. Don't ever let it put us off because we know at times we've done it ourselves. But praise the Lord, we're all praying that we won't. We'll all be encouraging and not criticising. And all people said, Amen. Um, and that's the thing, isn't it? The Word of God. The Bible tells us that if we're like a person that just beholds ourselves in the mirror and then we walk away and we just forget what we look like, then we end up being like a person that we hear and we read and we understand, but we don't do. And God wants to get us doing, you know. And uh, I was reading recently about um, some of the history of Australia because born and bred in Australia but don't particularly know a lot about its history and some people may or may not. But you know, I find it a mind-boggling thing that, um, and, and I may have said this recently, that when we got the King James Bible, it was 1611, 409 years ago, that people didn't know what the shape of Australia looked like. I, I mean, 400 years in history is not a long time ago. And I find that quite amazing, that they had no idea of the full shape of Australia. And in this book, it is just saying um, about you know the early Spanish sailors and the Dutch sailors that um, were doing the expeditions to go and find out what was down the southern end of our, our world. And there's just a passage here. Uh, I'm going to read to you from it. And it says, so I'll just quote it. It's a, it's a book called A Short History of Australia. And it says, and by that time, the belief had grown that there was probably a large area of land in the southern hemisphere. Much earlier in the Middle Ages, some had seriously questioned whether there could possibly be antipodes, so in other words, uh, opposite pieces of land on, on the end of the poles. And it says, learned and ingenious... Oh, that was... Didn't like that one, didn't go down well. <laughs> it says, learned and ingenious men argued about it for and against and considerable at considerable length, for it was much easier to write large folios in Latin about the form of the earth than to go forth in ships and find out. And how true is that? It is so much easier to have an opinion about what should be done and how it should be done and who should be doing it than to go and do it yourself. It really is. And when we become that way, if we become that way, I praise the Lord we don't, but if we do, what happens? Our confidence erodes. Our confidence in the structure that God's put in place drops. 
our confidence in what God's able to do even in our own life can begin to drop. But God's saying, no, if you get involved in the doing, I'll be your confidence. I'll restore your confidence regardless of what's going on up here because if we had to operate off of how we felt all the time, none of us would be any good. We operate off what we know God has placed inside of us and his promises that don't fail, not off how we feel because how we feel is a terrible gauge. How we feel is not who we are. Who we are is who God has made us through the Holy Ghost, not how we feel, all the people said. Amen. But we know God needs to take care of us emotionally and physically and all those things, and he's promised to do that. But there's no, if our spiritual side is suffering and hurting and we've lost our confidence that way, then then no no physical or mental fix is going to ever really fix the problem. It's got to be the spirit within us. All right, First Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 6. This says, Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. But the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, and in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls." of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things, which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, that helmet of salvation again, that helmet of salvation that is that is hope. That's the thing that will protect our mind. It says, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's when the relief comes, the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which has called you is holy, so be ye in all manner be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy, and if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by a tradition from your fathers. And it goes on in verse 19, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We don't fully comprehend how precious the blood of Christ is that we were redeemed with. Only when the Lord comes back are we going to really truly appreciate just what that means in its fullness. But we're trying to be alerted to it here. And it says, Who verily was foreordained, in verse 20, before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. For you and I was this done. Who by him 
uh, do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God, not in ourselves, not in our own circumstances, but in God, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. What an incredible thing. Someone said to you, I'd like you, you know, when I was in the world, I'd like you to purify your soul. You think, how would I do that? How would I purify my soul? But it tells us we've done it through obeying the truth through the Spirit. Our soul's been purified. And it goes on um, and it says, unto unfeigned love of the brethren. So it's not counterfeit, it's the real deal. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. It's a lot there, but praise the Lord. What he's getting us to, to try and understand, Peter, here, is that our trust and our hope and our confidence, it's not in our natural life. Because all kinds of circumstances are going to come, and we we know that. There's there's people here today going through all manner of things. Maybe we're not fully aware of all the things that people are having to endure and overcome, but the answer and the hope is the same for each and every one of us. It's that we don't trust in ourselves, that we don't recoil back into our own minds, into our own natural nature, but that we continue to, to go, I have something to give in the kingdom of God. Because God didn't place the Holy Ghost in any one of us to fill a number, to be a digit. He filled us with the Holy Ghost in power with a purpose because he knew each and every one of us has got a part to play in the kingdom of God. That makes a difference. Not because we're anything good or because we're anything special, but because of the power that is placed inside of us. And um, I just want to finish off in one one passage in, uh, in the book of Jeremiah. Um, chapter 32. He says in, uh, read in verse 17. It says, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. And again, you know, when, when people speak on a subject, if they've never been there, it's hard to listen to them. If they speak from theory, but Jeremiah, you read about his life, and and he went through some hard things. <laughs> uh, That's probably a, a big understatement. Of course, Jesus Christ, the ultimate example, and, and Paul the, the apostle went through some incredible hardship. But Jeremiah, you know, think about him being put down into this cistern, into this this miry clay pit, and you think, I don't know what kind of hope he held out for him living past that when he's put in there. I, I don't know. I don't know how long he was in there. And just, you know, he got, he copped a beating from the high priest. He had a hard message to deliver. He was a young man when he started and he had a lot of opposition and an incredibly difficult message to deliver to go and tell the people that they were going to go into captivity for, for their disobedience to God. You know, who, who wants that job? He, he got it. And, um, but, but you listen to his speech. There is nothing too hard for thee. His confidence at times was not. But ultimately it wasn't. He says in verse 18, They show us loving kindness unto thousands and recompense us the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts is his name, great in counsel and mighty in work, 
For thine eyes are open upon all the ways of the sons of men to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. And sometimes we read those passages and think about the judgment aspects, but there's the reverse of that. He sees all the ways of his faithful brethren who is who is redeemed, who the Lord has redeemed, and he sees is going to reward every single person according to the fruit of his ways, you know, and that the, the the brothers and sisters that faithfully overcome day in, day out, week in, week out, year after year, keep walking on with the Lord and won't be moved and don't lose their confidence, there's a reward. There's an incredible reward for this. And he, get, he says in verse 20, which has set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, even unto this day and in Israel and among other men and has made thee a name as at this day. The Lord's name is still the name to uphold. It's still the place that when when the world doesn't have an answer, when someone's been given a you know a diagnosed with a sickness or a problem or something in their family and there is no hope in this world, it's the Lord's name that gets lifted up. There's the hope, there's the answer. And um and brothers and sisters, we uh, we all play every single one of us a great part in uh, in the body of Christ and in the Lord. Of, of helping to, to hold that banner for the Lord and to encourage one another. And um, as we do that together, as we see that day approaching and as we rally together and we're united by the Spirit, then our confidence in the Lord is going to remain, is going to remain strong until the day of the Lord. And all the people said, Amen. Amen.